Hey, my friends, thanks for joining me for another episode of Real Live Talk. I'm Duke Lamastra. I'm your host, and I'm pumped that you're here to check out this conversation with my good friend, Josh Hogenkamp. And uh, for this conversation, Josh and I, we talked about the metaverse and Web 3.0 and just some of the shifting landscape that's really happening, not just in the financial world with the advent of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies and things like that, which we did talk about a little bit, but also just in terms of the social world and kind of considering some questions, some big questions, some heavy questions, some questions that you'll find are difficult to answer, uh, like should the church be involved in the metaverse and you know, should we as believers, is this something that we should do, shouldn't do, should we accept it, should we run from it, should we embrace it? Just some of these things that um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about, but I do want to preface this conversation <laughs> by saying that uh, Josh and I are not experts in this at all. We're just two guys, two guys that are uh, that have families and that are in ministry and that are interested in these kinds of things and these kinds of conversations, but also that have just spent a little bit of time thinking about these things, kind of pondering some of these uh, challenging questions and things like that. Like, let me just give you an example. One of the things that comes up in the conversation is the issue of baptism. We talk a little bit about the fact of there being metaverse churches that exist, that only exist as virtual places where people can can meet together, congregate together, worship together, and all of that. And uh, if you don't understand what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. You're definitely not alone. And uh, we'll explain, we'll kind of start from a very grassroots level and explain in this conversation what the metaverse really is and a little bit about how it operates. And I'll just give you one example right now, just in case you decide you want to skip this episode. But one of the things that came up in the conversation was this idea of baptism. And so if you are a believer and for one reason or another, you're unable to leave your home or something like that. And so you decide to become a member of a metaverse church where you're wearing virtual reality goggles and you're attending church right from home that way and you're in this virtual space but we talk then the issue of baptism came up and what could happen could your avatar be baptized <laughs> in the metaverse and is that something that would count and, and it, again it got a little bit weird in some parts but again this is just from a perspective of considering some challenging questions having a conversation around it not taking a theological standpoint or a doctrinal point of view or anything like that and and I really want to make that clear there's times where we say things where he's arguing one side and I'm arguing another side and we're just having a conversation but it's not even that we've formulated a a specific opinion on these things it's really just just for the sake of dialogue and talking about some of these um, just challenges that that we see that are already kind of taking place and that are definitely going to be much more uh, prevalent in the next five to ten years as these technologies continue to grow and evolve and develop. I know that I'm taking a long time to kind of explain this and to preface this conversation, but again, I really just want you to know that we're not coming at this from any kind of an expert level. We're not offering any kind of advice or anything like that. We're not telling you how you should think. We just wanted to have a conversation. Anyway, I guess what I'm getting at is that I just kind of hope that this conversation helps you to think uh, critically and maybe a little bit more deeply about some of these, th these things than maybe you have in the past. If you have anything to add to the conversation, your thoughts, your opinions, 
um, anything like that, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email directly at duke at simplepowermedia.com. You can also contact me through my website, Simple Power Media, or on any of the social media platforms where you and I happen to be connected. I'd love to hear from you. If you completely disagree with what we're talking about, again, there's a good chance that I might disagree with what we're talking about too, <laughs> because this is not about having a doctrinal standpoint on these issues. It's really just about kind of uh, opening up some dialogue and talking. These are conversations that I do think are very, very important, and they're going to become more important. And it's a conversation that I do look forward to being a part of more in the future here. So I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. But for now, I'm going to stop talking. And I really hope that you enjoy this conversation between me and my good friend, Josh Hogenkamp. Enjoy. So hey, everybody, <laughs> thanks for joining us for this episode of Real Live Talk. Really appreciate you guys for taking the time to check out this conversation. Uh, I've been looking forward to having this particular conversation for a while now with, with Josh Hogenkamp. He's the former, a for, he's, he's the former, I'm off to a good start here, buddy. He is my former roommate, and he's a former missionary to Asia with Campus Target and currently <laughs> serves on the Global Missions Committee for Elam Fellowship. He's got a passion for raising up and equipping leaders to fulfill their God-ordained assignment. And uh, he's currently the Director of Marketing for College Assistance Plus, which is an organization dedicated to helping families save money on college. All that having been said, we're not talking about any of that today. <laughs> we're going to have a conversation <laughs> about the metaverse. But Josh, man, thanks for being here with me, bud. How are you doing? Absolutely. I'm doing great. Uh, it's snowed. I'm up here in Western New York. We had fake spring and there's been snow on the ground for two consecutive days and multiple times over the last few days, my wife and I have both asked each other, why do we live here? So <laughs> that's happening. I, um, yeah, it, it's like almost April too, which is crazy. Um, I miss it though, man. Well, I don't miss that level of snow, but I do miss snow in general. Yeah, I understand what you mean. <laughs> it gets ridiculously hot here in the summer, like super humid and I'm not looking forward to it. Well, we, we spent uh, something we haven't talked about. We spent a summer in Tampa, Florida together, and that was the same. That was the hottest summer I've ever had, where it was 90 percent humidity and 90 plus degrees. And that was hot. And it was uh, it rained at three oh five every single day. It was incredible. <laughs> every single day there'd be flooding in the streets. And then eight minutes later, it would be dry. Like you had no idea that it rained. It's it was pretty absurd. Yeah. Like the rain would hit the ground and just like evaporate, evaporate on on contact. Although yeah, it's, it's even it's even worse than here. Right after the rain is the worst because it's all literally evaporate evaporating as you see it. It's a sauna. You're you're I, living I in a, a full city sized sauna. That's that's how it is. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, man. Well, thank you. Thank you again for for being here. I want to talk to you specifically about this conversation. We're going to kind of just dig in a little bit to uh, the metaverse and just sort of what we think could possibly be on the on the horizon in the future for how, you know, this whole thing of like Web 3.0, the metaverse, blockchain technology, NFTs, like all this kind of stuff, digital ownership and real estate and all that kind of stuff, like how. Yeah these things can affect life in general, but also maybe a little bit more specifically, at least for part of the conversation about uh, the potential impact on ministry and church life and stuff like that. And questions like, is this something that we should embrace as the church or something we should run from as the church or whatever? And I want to talk to you specifically because I'm super interested in this and I have been for some time. And I know for sure that you're more knowledgeable on this um, than I am. I think you have a good handle on the crypto space and a lot of the stuff that are like the essential components for 
how the metaverse is actually going to become infused more and more with daily life. And so we shall see. We shall see. We shall see. <laughs> so like we could talk about some of the, you know, more obvious applications of the metaverse and then kind of go crazy into some out there kind yeah. of stuff that we think could be possible in the future before, you know, people turn into cyborgs and stuff like that. But like, <laughs> well, I, but I before th we I, do any of that, <laughs> well, go ahead. I was just going to say we should define what metaverse actually is because people... that's exactly what I was just going to ask you to do. Yep. Amazing. So I would describe it as this. Obviously, it's a, a mix between two words, meta and verse, metaphysical and universe. And so I actually looked up and this is actually this speaks to a lot about where because we, we've had virtual reality in the past. So it's mm -hmm. beyond virtual reality. Like, I don't know. Did you play? You play video games growing up, right, Duke? Sure. Do you remember that horrible looking Nintendo device that was With red, red and kind of with the lines. Yeah. So virtual reality has been around a lot. The idea is that mm -hmm. you're an immersive experience where you have some kind of goggles on and yep. you could, you know, you interact and move around. Mm -hmm. That that's like virtual reality. I think that's one part of it. But it's more than that. And so uh looking at the meaning of the word I think gives a little bit of understanding about where the developers and creators of the quote unquote metaverse actually think. And so I looked it up. Metaverse is this. It's this is actually interesting. Metaphysics is a branch of philosophy, which it's a philosophy, not a technology that studies the fun fundamental nature of reality. The first principles of being identity, change, space, time, you know, blah, 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 etc. Et mm -hmm. It includes questions about the nature of consciousness and the relationship between matter and mind, between substance and attribute and uh, between potentiality and actuality. And I think that actually is helpful because I think some people, when they're thinking metaverse, there's different degrees, like in everything. There's one to sure. 10. 10 being like the ready player one, uh, the matrix where we like wake up and like, the, I mean, in some ways we're asking the question, what is reality? Depending on how you, you know, reality is the world around me. Yes, but <laughs> okay. Side note. <laughs> how my twisted brain works before my wife and I had i had kids i thought as a joke you know i'm i like to make jokes and things i said what if we took all the toys that our kids have like do you remember the spinner where you you pull the handle and the spinner goes around and it lands on an animal and it has like a specific animal sound yes mm -hmm. i said what if we actually do that and we mix up all the sounds so our kids think a chicken sounds like a, a cow <laughs> or a goat sounds like uh an egret who knows what an egret sounds like dude or you know what <laughs> else you could do to really screw up your kids would be like as your kids grow up tell them that like this color is green when it's really yeah, blue and this absolutely color is <laughs> thought about it didn't do it be ruined for life <laughs> yes and we'd be even worse parents than we already are no i think we're oh, good parents um but the reality is is that and i was telling my son about this our eyeball right we see things through our eyeball and then there's a sensor in our eye and not a sensor, but a sensor mm -hmm. in our eye that changes that into electrical impulses and it sends it to our brain. So if reality is actually the use of quote unquote hardware to help our brain understand something, then if I change those electrical impulses to my brain, then what is actually reality in those mm -hmm. situations? 
Is reality based on how I am experiencing the world? Is it how my brain is working it? And there's all sorts of implications on there and like mental health. If someone's mental health is affecting the chemistry of their brain, what is reality to them? Because that actually changes how they're experiencing reality. What we think is reality is actually a different reality to them. So this conversation has right. gotten a lot deeper, a lot quicker than I expected. But going back out of the rabbit hole is metaverse is a obviously electronic based, digital based potential universe. And there's not just specific one. There's potentially a ton of them, but it's basically a digital virtual world that we can experience in differing layers of realism and non-realism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, like not to go back into the dungeon that you just kind of tried to take yeah, us right? out of, Sorry but, about that. But, but that whole thing, the whole thing that you're describing essentially like what Elon is working on with the neural link. Yeah. And, and, and that whole thing of like, suppose describe that real quick. So people who don't know, yeah, and I'm not like super versed on it or anything, but essentially a device, an electronic device that you would install, I guess, at the base of the brainstem is what, you know, seems to be the what they're what they're talking about or what seems to make the most sense that would um, allow you to essentially be networked up to a link. I mean, uh, eventually this is like this would be way in the future. Well, I mean, I've seen a lot of movies and all, whenever something like this happens, it always, always turns out really well. So I think we should go for it. <laughs> yeah, it works well for like 30 seconds and then the machines take over immediately and uh, exactly. everybody dies. Yeah, that's how this always happens. And so but but essentially what it would be at the very beginning, the most basic application would be what you're talking about with like mental health issues or people with Alzheimer's and things like that, that you can install this thing in their body that sends electrical impulses, interacts with the brain and, and everything on some level. And somehow there's a controlled by a computer that this person is actually able to have new kinds of thoughts or whatever and that you know we can can potentially see significant improvements in the area of brain development and yeah and stuff like that but the ultimate goal i think is for me and you to be able to communicate without words um for me to know what you're thinking because we're linked up to this same kind of a network for me to be so able to access things in my house and on my phone and I mean, I don't know I'll have a phone at that point. It's probably like built into my hand or whatever, but like to just think things and they're, and they're happening. In, in this would actually be really good for our hu for husbands around the world because they can finally <laughs> understand what their wives are thinking without them having to like, you know, I don't know if you ever had those conversations, but also really terrible for wives, wives to know what their husbands are thinking at all times or for anybody to know what everybody's thinking at all times. Like you're seriously sounds... thinking about sports right now. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. What is that dark hole? No, I'm I'm just sitting here thinking about nothing. I for one hope that things don't get to that point. But I mean, that's where you know you you keep pulling on the string, and these things just keep you keep going. We look at where technology is even right now. Yeah. From you know the original version of the internet back in like the early late eighties, early nineties, whatever it was. Yeah, even before that. To, to where now with like you know Web two which we've had for all this time with you know social media and smartphones and yeah. being able to interact with people and it's become very communal in a sense but still a form of escapism you know to maybe a, a larger extent and whatever but it's just you know you I, see the way that things progress and the the te technology exists to just constantly make things 
easier and whatever. And so as you keep pulling on that string, you just keep getting deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole to where, what, are people going to be completely living in the metaverse as opposed to interacting in actual, you know, reality as we know it and whatever. Why? Well, I mean, it speaks to a lot of, and I, I'll say a few things. And I'll say what I was going to say. One is <laughs> change always is always going to occur. Things that we don't understand worry us sometime. And I think that out of that fear, I think it's easy to come up with excuses of why we shouldn't, but oftentimes it's because we're, we're worried that we don't understand or we're not going to be able to do it or we're going to be uh, out of a job or out of a situation or it's going to be it's it's over our heads. And I think that's where we need to understand is that progress is happening and we need to engage it in a way uh, as leaders, as followers of God, as, you know, uh, examples of who he is. We need to be the ones that are using this the this information, this technology to better show God's love in the world towards people, towards society, to, to everything. And so I think, you know, not all of us and not, maybe not any of us would are experts in any of these fields that we're talking about, but as much as we can, we need to make sure we're not scared of where the, where, where the world is going, mm. not like morally, but like in progress, you know, that side. And we need to be engaging those things a hundred percent. Because if we're the last ones to the party, then our ability to influence and connect with people is going to be very diminished. Yeah, that's very true. I, th I think that was a really well articulated sort of thought of the, the tension between the two things of because that's something that I think about a lot and kind of the, the real probably ultimate reason why I wanted to have this conversation with you today. And this might turn out to be something that we've got to even you know talk about more than once because it's just such a vast, you know, thing to, to discuss. But, but yeah, yeah, I think that that's, um, that that's really good. What you just said, I'm, I'm totally going to be like a metaverse pastor and I'm going <laughs> to, so I'm that, gonna that's a like thing. A, so I'm going to build a giant church and uh, explain, yeah. <laughs> explain that to people. Cause I feel like, I hope we haven't lost people already because we're kind of going in deep, <laughs> but the idea of a metaverse pastor, like there are churches that have been around for five, six, seven years that are metaverse churches so explain actually what that would be to people yeah have you before before, before i do that have you seen any because i haven't personally like i have not gone to any i've heard of some church looks like i have not i have not seen one i've heard about them i've never attended i want to okay so here's what i here's what i am a little bit more familiar with uh just because i've heard it talked about and kind of looked into it myself a little bit there's a um there's a fully like operating casino. I believe it's in Decentraland. That and that is a, a platform online that has a metaverse. Yeah. In this casino, you can actually you can go to this casino. It's virtual. So, but you can go there and you can gamble and you can do all that stuff and there's currency because, you know, Decentraland operates based on two different uh cryptocurrency tokens. You can go there, you can you can use money that's digital currency. And uh, you can gamble, you can do all that. But it's to another extent where they've hired people in the real world to actually work in the casino, to operate things, to show people around, to do all that kind of stuff. So you get paid money that you can you know, use in the real world. Um, and uh, but you your job is inside this virtual world, which I think is good because it shows people that it's not all robots. 
is that there's mm-hmm. there's room for humanity within these new things that we're talking about. Yeah. And so what was your original question? So your so so your thing was oh, metaverse you're church. asking me about about metaverse church which yeah, I don't have a I, I don't really know about like specific examples. Um but yeah, I mean essentially you can um put on a you know VR headset or whatever and your avatar goes into this facility and you sit down and you listen to somebody, you know, you listen to the pastor pastor preaching and teaching and there's worship there's you know an immersive worship experience and all that kind of stuff and uh basically you're experiencing it it's not so i guess what they're working on now is for things to become more photorealistic in terms of my avatar that exists in this metaverse would be someone who looks like me that doesn't exist right now they're very like cartoony you can look like anything you can you know be a zebra if you want or you can be you know somebody else like you look like another person but it doesn't look real it looks like a cartoon like something you would see in minecraft or you know some kind of a video game world or something like that and so they're working on on it to you know get to the point i actually listened to a conversation um or just part of a conversation where mark zuckerberg was talking about it and he thinks that a lot of those elements are going to be available within the next five to ten years where things oh, big are time. more Absolutely. realistic yeah so i don't know if i answered your question or not well there, there's two <laughs> if people want to check them out there's two of them i i've heard about these both on the carrie newhoff podcast which is a leadership podcast okay. one is called vrchurch.org and they are a church that operates 100 in the metaverse wow see i wasn't even so, aware of that so they don't have any campuses they just have VR church. And so anybody anywhere can buy a headset, you know, Oculus headset or something like that. They have a discord, which is hilarious, but they, <laughs> you go to Sunday church and you show up as a cartoon character or whatever, uh, and you go to church and then, but you, you can operate the same way as you, like you go upstairs for, I'm, I'm picturing the, the church I grew up into. It was in an old Grange hall. You go upstairs to the sanctuary, you do, you know, you sit next to somebody, you walk to your chair, you sit down, there's worship, Mm -hmm. there's someone speaks, uh, you know, you can have conversations with people during meet and greet time. You could pass a thing to tithe and there's a sound booth and there's people playing instruments and then you go downstairs and there's always snacks and stuff and you can talk to whoever you want to. And there's little kids running by and things like that. Like that is what they have. They have a church, but it's not. It's not a physical location. It's in the metaverse. But that Mm kind of goes back to what is reality. If I am interacting with someone and it's engaging all my senses, along with engaging and having conversations and connecting with people, I think the idea of connecting someone, I I think there's a big difference between connecting with someone over a text message and connecting someone face to face. Like I would say, Duke, that, this is pretty well. We're, we ha- we can see each other's faces. We can hear each other's voices. We know a huge amount of communication comes through what we see. Mm-hmm. Now, I would still guess, and I, I hope this is the case, you know, we've been friends for a while, that you would rather sit down with me face-to-face, quote-unquote, in person, than over sure. uh, this. Is that fair to say? Yes, sir. So, But if we sat down in a room that our bodies were represented how they are actually sitting, and we're sitting and there's no computer screen between us you know it's a headset but it feels real what's what's the difference between that and sitting one-on-one in a cafe in any one physical place right i would say there's not much 
Yeah, and, and especially with a lot of the stuff that they're working on, like anyone who doesn't know what this is, I'll, I'll you know, like haptic feedback suits and gloves and stuff like that, where there's you can you'll eventually you'll be able to touch somebody, hug somebody and feel the pressure, you know, from that person's body. You'll be able to feel it on yours, like the same way that you would feel it in, in an interaction that was face to face in person where you're hugging, you know, putting your hands on a table and kind of feeling the, the, the pushback from the table as you're sitting down talking with friends, all of that kind of stuff. Right. Like they're working on all that, like the spatial sound where you know, right now I'm hearing you just right here in my ear because I have yeah. this earpiece in, but the, all the stuff that they're working on to make those interactive metaverse environments where you're engaging with people, interacting with people to make them as realistic as possible yes. to where, yeah, as you're saying, what is the difference going to be essentially? Cause we're still able to have the same conversation that we would have in person but now we could do it in like Venice or, you know, somewhere else or like in some place that we've just invented. Not, you know, not with snow. We okay. could be in a no. volcano, you know. So th this might be going a little far down the rabbit hole, but I want to talk about it real quick. So if I have a haptic suit on, which has sensors that can feel pressure and things like that, something I'd be missing would be actually like the heat of someone's like body. When I hug them, mm -hmm. I feel heat, right? Or like right. the hair of their arms. And this isn't like creepy. This is just like reality. Right. The the warmth of someone awkwardly breathing down your neck. That's awkward. I actually had that or happen. the way somebody smells or, you know. Yes. So that, that's what I said. Smells and pheromones and hormones are actually part of how we communicate. So that's another area is like, are we going to get so it's so realistic that we can smell the garlic on someone's breath because they just had, you know. Or yes. like uh, that sounds weird, but that is these are the steps they are going to need to take if they want to get. So it's so realistic that it's not normal. And so my thought is until we get to that completely immersive experience, even so we can't even feel the goggles on our heads. I think people are still going to prefer for the most part being face to face. Yeah, I think reality. most people, right? The average person. Yes. One of the things that in this VR church, kind of going back to this VR church, VR space, is that things that they're talking about is that they're having conversations with people who are shut-ins, who are sick. You know, if I if I had in the last couple of years, if I had cancer, a really drastic form of cancer, and I know people like this, I'm not going outside because I know if I have caught right. COVID, I'm dead Probably. or I'm in an ICU or, you know, there's very serious situations whether it's a physical problem, whether it's a mental health issue, whether it's all that stuff, whether it's maybe it's social anxiety, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I can go and if I can go and have a conversation with someone in that space who doesn't feel let alone they don't feel comfortable with walking to a church because they've had bad experiences. They don't feel comfortable with like talking to people because of stuff going on in their life. But if I can develop a uh an avenue to talk with them and connect with them in some way that is a huge open door to one, like just love people, but also mm -hmm. just the opportunity to like care for them and like have them and help them in anywhere they need. Maybe they just need a hug 
and you can give them a hug and they've they haven't had a hug in 10 years now i don't know anybody like that but i've heard plenty of stories of people who are like yeah i haven't had any physical contact with a human in six years stuff like that now right. obviously that's not like super un, super normal thing that happens mm -hmm. but if i could go and talk to my grandfather who's in a nursing home that the nursing home was shut down for 18 months like wow. that that would be a real that's not a real situation i'm just saying like sure um those would be amazing experiences for people and that's where i had the, the conversation of like when is the thing of like well it's not real world when does that excuse fall apart when you realize the benefits of our presence with people and our our attention towards people outweighs the, the opportunity for that outweighs our concerns about like where the world is going people say that i'm just worried about where the world is going no you're just worried and you're scared and you're confused and you don't understand and you're that that yeah. worries you but if i can find opportunities to help people understand those other opportunities to interact with people they care about or that need someone i mean the the, the benefits so outweigh the concerns that it's a no brainer that we need to be involved in what's going on and engaging with technology in this way and thinking, Hey, how can I use technology like this to better show Christ's love to people or in, you know, in, in almost any situation where you would interact with a human. Yeah, man, that's, um, that's a really good point. And it's super, it's super interesting. And, you know, as you're talking about these interactions with people, potentially, you know, just using this example of a, of a church that exists in the metaverse, I'm sure the heart behind the, the, the pastors and the people that created it, it was exactly what you're saying. It's like, let's, um, let's meet people, let's reach people that wouldn't be reachable in some other way. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. I think about that and like, we have, like, even at our church, we have in e-church, which functions essentially as a campus of a, of a church, but it doesn't yes. have a location and it's online. And it's, um, you know, for people that we wouldn't have the, the chance of reaching otherwise. And so when I listen to you discussing, you know, what you just discussed in my mind, I'm thinking, well, like, essentially, what's the difference? You know, because the same the same possible negatives exist in that version, as in the more immersive metaverse version, which is, you know, of, of course, you'll have people that will take advantage that are, you know, using it as a way to not have to go and be in a church where people are, you know, physically seeing them and where maybe there's a little bit more accountability or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? Like there, there's, there's going to be people that end up using these things for the wrong reasons. But I do think that there are a lot of, you know, good benefits to, you know, providing something like that for those people that don't have any other way of whether, again, like you said, because of an illness, they can't get out of their home or whatever the, whatever the case is, you know, I, but I would say, and I, this isn't my personal experience, so I'm not going to, you know, claim it, but again, in, in hearing other people talk about it is, and they use this as an example. And I thought it was great. How many times do you talk to people in church and, Oh, how are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Okay. What yeah. really are you actually being real here? Or are you just wearing just as much of a mask as a guy who looks like a zebra over there? That, that's kind of weird, but you know, no, he's in real life. He's a furry. That's something different. <laughs> but uh, um, this idea of like we wear masks all the time, and what is the way? 
And I think this is the idea of, you know, when Apostle Paul said, I'm all, all things to all people. What is the way that we can be as approachable as possible and as non-judgmental as possible and opportunistic as possible? And I, when I say opportunistic, I mean, we're giving other people the opportunity to get beyond what they're going through and have a real conversation with a real person. Yeah, no, that's a super good point because we could be just as, you know, disconnected and everything else in public settings. Um, you know, as you were talking too, I was thinking about people like, and I, I know, again, this is a small segment of society, but it's a, it's still real people. I mean, there's, there's, there's people out there that have like, you know, like really intense video game addictions to where they don't leave, you know, they, they yeah. don't, it's like they, they build their lives around this world where, you know, they're constantly connected to, to something and, you know, they order all their food in and they don't really have interaction with people. And so those are the kinds of people that, you know, are probably, I don't, I don't just mean people that are addicted to video games. What I mean is the kind of mentality that for, for one reason or another, people feel like they're either not a part of society or they don't want to engage with society. I think those are the, there, there are people out there that, um, desperately want something like this that gives them more reasons to stay secluded and to not go out and essentially like you know when things really get advanced you can build a persona however you want and uh you know you can you can own digital uh yeah digital assets and real estate and things like that and you can build like a super impressive life in this digital place in this in this metaverse um, that could be potentially way better than what you have on the outside. And so I think that there's going to be, a, again, probably a small segment of society at the beginning anyway, that um, actually looks at that as more real and the thing where they want to spend all of their time as opposed to living in reality. And so I'm just thinking about like people that, uh, again, like like maybe somebody like that would be, maybe you could somehow reach that person, you know, or or something like that. Somebody who is very much in already kind of immersed in that kind of culture and to say like, well, you know, they, they, maybe they're not going to go out of their house and go to a church somewhere, but you know, we can reach these people sort of where they're at. Well, I mean, that's been happening for, for years. If you've ever, um, I like to game. I've gamed for a long time. Guilds or clans or things like that have been around in games forever. And what a guild or a clan is, is basically, a uh uh it's 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 a it's a it's a community of people mm -hmm. but it's more socially connected than anything so there's guilds and clans in in like mobile games world of warcraft which came out in 2004 so that's 18 years ago they have guilds in some way and you if you see you know screenshots you're this character and you're going around this world and you have 20 other or 40 other people that are getting together to accomplish a goal. Now this one is taking down like a fire breathing dragon or something like that. Mm -hmm. But those people are often in those spaces because it doesn't matter who the person is. People always are, they always desire community and they're going to find it wherever they can find it. Whether that, I mean, I've had, I've had, I've been playing, uh, you know, a Star Wars game on my phone for four years. Uh, and I've been on and off in different things, but I've had conversations with people on Discord 
that are like people I've never met in real life. I don't even know their real name, but they're talking about what they're going through because their parent just died or their wife is sick in the hospital. Like mm. these are not conversations that are happening with your neighbor, but because we're in this community, there's connection happening. And I think it's, I think it's very important for us all to realize just because someone's escaping doesn't mean they don't require the community and connection because that's baked into humans. Humans require community. They require connection. They just find it in different ways. And wow. um, I think if we give people the opportunity, like I, I've prayed for people, prayed for people or talked to people uh, again in, in, in discord rooms that I know for a fact they're not telling other people that they know our close friends are there because they say that they're like, I just found out that this happened or something like that. And so, again, I, I think we, we can't limit our view of what's possible because people always require the same things and they just find it in different ways. I mean, look, we go we go around the world. Uh, you <laughs> in yeah. particular, you know, lived overseas for a number of years as a missionary and so you know we do these things we we go around the world to reach people that are that are unreached so wh why not you know go after people that they they for one for whatever reason or another and again maybe it's maybe it's completely just their fault maybe it's just completely their mentality that has caused them to be secluded or to whatever but if there's a way to reach that person as you said just because I mean, we, we've all done things, we've all made decisions that have caused us to hurt ourselves and, and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't make yeah. the needs of, of that person any less, you know, valid or important. Here's a crazy example. Imagine like uh, I never worked with on a suicide hotline. I've never been trained in that anything. I know someone who is a, a trained psychologist and they worked on the suicide hotline for veterans. So here's another example. What if you called up the veterans suicide hotline and instead of just having a phone call you sat down in a virtual room with someone and able to have a conversation with someone face to face you can't tell me that's more not more powerful than just a phone call dude i mean it, it, there's so many opportunities for for this and, and I, i'd also say too is that that i think this is kind of a difference connecting a few different things that we talked about is the most powerful moments i've been involved with in ministry has been not because I did something really well, but because the Holy spirit was there in a moment and it was just God time. I'm just there and I'm like, Oh wow, this is happening. But the Holy spirit has been preparing that way for months or years. Right. And again, I, I would just go back and say these opportunities, you have no idea what someone's been going through and how the Holy spirit has been preparing them. We just need to be available whether it's on the street corner at a gas station, whether that's, you know, uh, you know, doing whatever, playing, mm -hmm. playing a video game on a Saturday night. You never know when that time is. We, we just need to be available and we need to be saying, OK, God, what do you have for me right now? And how can it be an example of who you are to these these people? Yeah. Wherever, wherever I am. Yeah, I think absolutely. We, we need to be humble about it, too, and realize is that we're just we're part of the plan. We're not the answer all the time. And mm. I think we come in as the answer a lot. I think we can in Christian culture in general. I think that's, I think we, I think we're way less smart than we think we are. We're way less smart than we think we are. And, uh, 
and that's dumb. We're not. We just need to be available to what the Holy Spirit is doing. And I think that we're going to see our impact and our influence in people's lives grow a lot more. Just for anybody that is listening to this and they're like, this doesn't make any sense. Like what, you know, kind of like, what are you even talking about? Like, how does this even work there? There's this, I mean, right now, this doesn't make sense to the average person because the average person doesn't own an Oculus or, you know, most people don't have the device that it even requires to be able to go and to hang out in, you know, one of these rooms, like you can literally go in, like you can go to a comedy club in the metaverse and watch, you know, comedy. You can watch a concert. You can like do these different things in the metaverse. Chris, but, like, Chris Rocket smacked in the people... face. <laughs> watch Chris Rocket smacked in the face. Poor you wanna, guy. You want Dude, he took it like a pro, and uh, and and I I'm pretty sure he thinks it was totally worth it because like the material that he's gonna get off of that. As a comedian, you just wrote the the next four specials for me, Will. Thank you. (laughs) He just laughed. He just laughed in the moment. He's like, Oh, yeah, he's a guy that probably hurt though, man. (laughs) Oh, gosh. My, my Alex, you know, Alex Tyler, he said, Uh, did you see, did you see Chris Rock's face afterwards? And I went and he said, There was fresh prints all over it. Fresh print. (laughs) So that's freaking gold. Okay. That is, that is amazing. So I have a really, uh, really practical example of where you're going. So two things we, I want to break down, VR versus AR. And I know that you, we talked mm-hmm. about this. What is VR? VR is virtual reality, which would be like Oculus mm-hmm. or like, like it's so You're real. That we don't, in the experience, yeah. Augmented reality is kind of like if I'm walking around and or here's a good example. I walk into my, or I, I, I want to redesign my kitchen. And so what I do is I want to plan out what my cabinets are going to look like. So I have something on my eye, either on my eyes or it's uh, connected to my my neural, you know, some kind of neural link or a Google Glass or something like that. And I mm-hmm. can drag and drop different combinations of uh, hardware or cabinets or fridges or countertops or colors, whatever, around my my kitchen. And I could see what it looks like if those things would happen. And so that's augmented reality. So um, here's another way you could do it. You go in and you're shopping at Best Buy and you're saying, do I like that TV or do I like that whatever? Again, Mm. I could go and click on that, send it to my viewer somehow and connect it with the furniture that I bought from, you know, furniture warehouse, whatever and see what my room is going to look like. Or I could change my hair or I I can do all these different things that are augmented reality, which Mm -hmm. is very different than VR. And I I would say probably augmented reality is closer than virtual reality. Um, Because uh, here's another one. I've been thinking about the shopping retail experience because I had to Mm -hmm. buy a new phone the other day. And so I was thinking about, you know, I go in a virtual store and then I go look around and I walk through the aisles that look really similar, you know, look like real life. And I pick things off and I put it in my cart and it feels heavy because of the suit, you know, all that stuff. And then I have it delivered to my door the next day and you say, mm-hmm. okay, well, what about all those real t- retail stores? What do I do that? Well, probably a lot of them are going to turn into warehouses. 
but also maybe a lot of them are turned into like vertical farms that are growing food or there, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There, there's just all sorts of opportunities where this technology could lead, but I would say yeah. probably augmented reality is closer than VR. Um, and I think there's lots of cool opportunities there for that. that that's, that's yeah. more like mainstream business, whatever, mm-hmm. but yeah, man, I know. So probably the most, the most popular thing that we've experienced in regular culture with with ar augmented reality would be like the pokemon go thing <laughs> like that's yes, something that i was gonna say that a lot example. of people yeah a lot of people experienced in some way and yeah so it, it was that that's very very basic form of it right like where you're looking at your phone but you're seeing it's like it's like you're looking at your phone to look at the space that you're in And in that there's something that's augmented these little Pokemon that you're chasing and, you know, whatever the case may be. I've seen some um, like crypto and NFT projects where they're they're working on putting things together in terms of like advertising space that you could buy. Like if you are, for example, like if you're in Italy and like you're walking around like the Leaning Tower of Pisa, like if you were looking at it through your your phone, you would actually see like a little piece of real estate there that you own where you can advertise your company or you yeah. can advertise, you know, whatever and things like that where there's basic things. And, and, I, um, and I think what like what you said is true, I think in terms of like daily adoption for most people on a on a very, you know, like mass cultural and societal a way i think that augmented reality is is probably closer i think that as far as making it into something that's like really amazing that that people are super excited about using i think there's a lot of you know challenges there where i think vr is maybe a little bit i don't know i what what i was going to say was <laughs> was that augmented reality i think is is probably closer to being adopted into daily life but as far as like, I think that VR might progress more rapidly. Um, That's fair. Because they've, they've I mean, we're, we're, we're already using some augmented reality. And I, I'd say it like this is that our phones track where we go. And yep. um, you can get like, and this has happened to me before is that you're can you, you buy something at a store or you're connected with something and then you get a pop-up a couple minutes later that you can get a coupon for a, a special product. So like here's a good example and not coupon. coupon. Is it coupon? Coupon. <laughs> coupon. I don't know. I wonder if that's one of those words I say both of coupon, a coupon. I've definitely said coupon before. I've I've really, <laughs> I I feel like I've said coupon my whole life. But when people say coupon, I'm I'm okay with it. I just thought I'd point that out. I don't know. Um anyway, irrelevant. So say I love uh ice cream is is fantastic. So if I was going past a Dairy Queen and they knew where I was and they sent me a code and they knew because of where I was um you know, they know cuz of where my traffic patterns and you know Maybe they see the list right. again. There's whole all sorts of privacy conversations that we could have about this too, but they say, exactly. "Hey, you're you're going in, and you're my middle son and my I, we love ice cream cake." So if I was my wife was headed to the store, and she knew and the, and they knew my uh, my birthday was four days away, they could pop up an ad that says twenty percent off an ice cream cake, right within the next four hours. 
because right. she's walking to my Wegmans and she's probably buying stuff for my birthday anyway. So it's like that, that in reality, I think is a little bit of augmented reality um, because mm -hmm. it's connecting virtual world, digital world with the real world based on geosyncing and where we are and, and understanding what else, what else we're, we're worried about in real life. Yeah. Well, like you mentioned, so you mentioned ice cream and stuff like that. I, I, I keep trying too. to wrap my head around like the, the, the one thing that I can't figure out a way that there's ever going to be a way to get around this would be like eating. You can't eat in the metaverse, right? Like I can't imagine a way what? because like we were talking before about the suits and how you can, I mean, I could conceivably see how they could build smells into that and how they can like do all these different things, even to like where you could turn that on and off if you don't want it happening or, or whatever, like you can, I can see where all that stuff can come the the touch, the feel, um, different things like that. But as far as like, if I'm sitting down at a table with you and we're, and we're having a, a meeting where we're in the metaverse and we're in person and we have some coffee, like I've still got to have that coffee in my hand in real life. Right. Or but is what, way and this, so this is what I'm saying is that when I'm picking up my pencil, my pen, right. Mm -hmm. I close my eyes. What is, what is me picking up the pen? Me picking up the pen is me picking up and squeezing with my brain. You know, it goes through my nervous system and I tell my fingers to squeeze and then there's response back from that pen and I can right. even feel like there's a little ridge. So, but all that is, is a, electric. It's all electrical signals. Right. Right. So okay. if I can somehow put this pen into a file somewhere that says, this is what a BIC pen that's been is used that for the last 13 months feels on your hand and this is how much it weighs and this is what like the rigid uh, the, the writing feels like i can actually i potentially could tell my brain that i'm picking up a pen that i'm not actually holding bro if we're going full matrix there is no pen i mean yes i mean <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't yes. matter no but like <laughs> So are you saying it, that's that actually possible because it's, it's electric do, 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 do. It's electric. It, that's all it is. Yeah. It's all it is is electrical signals. Yes. So why can't so, you design how does that? Why can't you pick up a coffee mug and have the tingling sensation of coffee going into your mouth and going down your throat? But it and couldn't actually nourish you. Correct. Who says we need nourishment? <laughs> Again, this is very matrix. This is like this is decades away. Yeah, we, yeah, well, we yeah. have, we have a we have a a bag or something like that that feeds us, and we're okay. You know, <laughs> it'd be a lot easier so in to this, diet. In this I could, version, in this version, we're like hooked up to a, like we're like plugged into something essentially. Not necessarily. I mean, I I could carry a bag around of nutrient nutrients that. But wouldn't it be better just to? Yeah, but, but here's okay. the thing. So here, unless thing. unless we destroy our planet to the point that we ruin everything, I'm all for it. No, I'm no, joking. no. I'm saying like I'm saying if we get if we get there, because uh, what I was gonna say was it would still be better to have the experience of like just eating food because food is awesome. But I'm yes. saying if we like deplete the soil to the point because it's already terrible, you know, we deplete our resources to the point that like we have to get nourishment from some you know bag sort of a situation or you know whatever where you know or like a pill that you know like remember in those like old um those old yeah. uh so here's yeah, here's a good example you're you're in alabama right yeah i'm in alabama 
Do you have good barbecue around you? Uh, not great, but okay. You know, decent. There's some decent some, barbecue. Some, some kind of good food that I'm sure if I came and visited you this afternoon, you'd say, Josh, I need you to take. I need to take you somewhere to get good food, and we can have that experience together. Now yeah. it would take me a day to get down to you, right? True. And I wouldn't just stay there for a day. I'd stay there for a couple of days. But if we could have lunch after this. And you could take me to your favorite spot and I could experience that in a way that's extremely realistic. Mm -hmm. Plus we could also decrease the calories of the food that we're actually ingesting because it's not real food. And I could have that same experience, same smells and vision and feel and taste and not get fat, which I'm all for. (laughs) You know, it would be cool. I'm thinking about would be if it worked both ways. So let's say we're virtual reality, we're we're sitting together in in a coffee shop. And you and I are, you know, we sit down, we're talking and stuff like that. If I have my coffee in real life, and I'm taking a sip of my coffee, but my avatar is doing the exact same thing that I'm doing. Oh, so yeah. what I'm doing here is is affecting 100%. there, and what I'm doing there is a, is you know I'm seeing it, I'm experiencing it the, here. You know the one I mean? the one problem would be that is that I'd actually have to be wearing pants during this conversation, Duke. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm wearing pants. <laughs> I just won't look down. I just won't look down. I'll only I'll only look up. Sorry, you're I'll look not you in the <laughs> eye for the entire two hours. <laughs> so, so where? Yeah, I, I think. You know, a lot of this is saying like, okay, what could be in the future? I don't think a lot of like, I think what what we're describing is still decades off. Sure. (laughs) Having something realistic that's better than Zoom, I don't think it's probably that far away. It's probably five years away. Maybe not even. Dude, since you brought that up, can I interrupt you? Because I think that that is going to be a super cool like ministry and business application. Oh, 100%. Imagine like instead of this conversation where I'm just looking at you on a screen, we're in a room. And again, like with the whole like spatial sound kind of a thing where we're having a conversation and it's not just coming out of my speakers, but like we're interacting and we're sitting or there's a bunch of us. We're sitting around a conference table and uh, but I'm able to like kind of lean over and tap you on your shoulder and, and, you know, make fun of the person who's, who's talking to us or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like where it's actually, not that you'd ever do that. that. No, of course not. Of course not. Of course not. But, well, but I mean, you know it, what I mean? Like that is a super like, cool application of this stuff like that. Can I share my screen real quick? Yeah, man. Is that possible? Oh, I don't know. Can you, does it let you? <laughs> yeah, it does. It lets me, does it let you? Uh, don't show me this warning again. I understand. Proceed. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen real quick. So this is Unreal Engine 3. This yeah. is a computer graphic. Okay, I'm going to pull Now, it. that's un- that's fake, right? Sure. We can see that. But it's not crazy far off. If you want to see some nut stuff, look up Unreal Engine for, 3. For anybody and, just listening, describe what you were talking about. Okay, so Unreal Engine 3 is a, it's a it's computer modeling and computer graphics, basically. And so we're looking at a guy who is probably 50 years old. He's got hippie hair. He's got a beard. Maybe he's 55, 60, but he's not graying. So he probably, he probably dyes his hair a little bit, but it Mm. looks like if I'm, if I'm looking at that, what is that Duke? 80 or 85% of the way there. If not more. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty realistic. It's pretty realistic. Here's another, Oh, that's a bad one. Let's see if there's any other ones. 
the, this is a bad picture, but just the idea, like the the lighting is, is a that, little too unrealistic. That... <laughs> Wait, Here... is... was that KKK people? <laughs> no, it wasn't, right? No, I think that? it's um, I think it's some kind of like tomb, like ancient tomb that they're going and exploring. Okay. <laughs> I was like, Josh, what are you? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, I see. It was so people this... in white suits. I... I actually don't know if this, I think this is a and you can see this. This is a city street. This is not real. Okay. Like that looks real, doesn't it? Yeah, that looks very real. That's not real. Okay. So like we're we're not that crazy far off to having those advancements. Um, and what's really interesting is that, like, the Unreal Engine and the gaming space in general is where a lot of this stuff is really being pioneered from because they've been doing this for decades already decades, as far yeah. as building worlds. And they have the they have a lot of the technology already in place that allows them to build these kinds of things that look more and more real. And so, yeah, yeah they've been operating in that space for for, uh, you know, a really long time. And, and, so, and, and movies and, and entertainment. All that stuff, yeah. all back to we. I started watching Lord of the Rings with my boys a couple of weeks ago, and all the stuff that they were doing in Weta Workshop twenty years ago in New Zealand to make all the orcs and and look at the. I mean, they've been doing this stuff for decades and decades and decades. So, so a little bit on the more, I don't know, the not philosophical, but like. Um, maybe kind of back into the ministry conversation a little bit with the idea of, um, you know, escapism and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I mean, do you just what do you think in general? I mean, do you think that this stuff I mean, here's the thing we can't I don't believe that we can blame because a lot of people will blame technology for where we are right now. And they'll yeah. blame technology for like a lot of the reclusiveness of people and escaping into themselves and all that kind of stuff and i don't think that we can blame technology i think if anything technology that we that we have you know the more and more we get access to things i think more than anything it probably exposes tendencies that are already inside of us you know what i mean more yeah. so than that's the reason why i choose not to interact with people or that's the reason why like no maybe it's that there was something already going on in your mind and this just gave you an avenue to do it and it's acceptable now, or this gave you an excuse to live that way or whatever. And so I don't think that we can ultimately blame, you know, technology for these different things. And so I think that I, I guess I guess my concern is that, um, well, and again, it's not that it's inherently good or inherently bad. And, and you know, what you were talking about earlier, as far as not wanting to be completely disconnected, you know, talking about from like a ministry standpoint or whatever, like not not to be completely disconnected from the innovations that are taking place because, you know, essentially being left out or getting left behind. And, you know, you don't want that. But I don't know, man, I guess I just think about uh, how far these things can go and at what point, you know, it does get to the point where it's it's more dangerous than helpful. So w what are you worried about? You said um, it's more dangerous. What 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 danger is there? Just in terms of physical, like interacting with people and stuff like that. And again, like I, I can continue to do what I want, you know, like I can continue to choose what I want. And so 
again, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking through some thoughts in my head. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think someone that that chooses to basically live their life <laughs> in a digital realm more so than in the you know physical realm. I think that, you know, again, that's up to them. That's their decision. Nobody's forcing them to do that. Yeah. Um, but I guess the OK, so here's what it is. If society in general stops, got to the point where they stopped developing <laughs> things in the physical world because the virtual world was so much better and easier to do things and easier to make improvements to the point that you kind of had to abandon, you know, the physical world to an extent to focus more on on that world. And there wasn't much of a choice. And I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, because the amount of. I, I think it would take a long, long, long time, really long time to have, sure. to have that experience of walking up into a um, onto a mountain that you've never been on top of and or through a valley and seeing a waterfall and seeing how it relates to you and how big it is and the smell of the trees and the 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 like the water vapor coming from the waterfall it's like that kind of experience is not close at all right. to being reality and i think especially with what we see going on in the world today is that I think we're making big enough changes that are, you know, we're not going to get to the point where our planet is just a desolate, you know, heap in the next <laughs> 150. Like, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. Like, I think there's things that we need to continue to change and things like that. But I don't think that's, I don't think in, unless there's nuclear war and it really is like the matrix, like, I just mm. don't think that's going to happen. We're making enough changes and we value enough things. Like, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe yeah. I'm, maybe I'm over optimistic, but I, I don't think that's close to happening in any reasonable amount of time. And when I say reasonable, no. I mean 150, 200 years from now. Yeah. No, I don't think it's anywhere close to happening. I, I don't really personally think it's going to get that far away either. Like I, I, you know, I, I don't think so. Um, you know, I tend to be a little bit more, you know, optimistic about it as well. Um, one of the things that I think is, you know, potentially closer would be the, you know, talking about the issue of and what we could do is maybe we can uh, get into a little bit on the like NFT and crypto thing. And, you know, maybe just describe a little bit about what 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 that means and like blockchain technology and stuff like that, because all of that really they're all kind of like building blocks for how this is all yeah. going to work and and, in, and impact daily life and the way that we actually do things, the way that we buy things and stuff like that. One of the things that I think is a little bit, well, much closer is in the area of, you know, you can already go into the metaverse and you can buy and you can own digital real estate and to where things are very, I mean, expensive, like comparable to where, you know, if you were to buy a house right now in, yeah. in real life, you know, you can go and uh, you can buy a house. You can spend a, like hundreds of thousands of dollars on a piece of property. Now, I think that if you're spending that kinds of money on property, it's because it's, you know, you're probably like your neighbors with, you know, Snoop Dogg famous. You're, yeah, Snoop Dogg or like, you know, LeBron or something like that. So you're <laughs> so you're but again, I, 
it's very, very early stages. And I think that more and more, and especially as people buy things up, and I don't know how much scarcity there's going to be because I don't know at what point you stop building digital worlds. You know what I mean? If ever. So it seems like it's kind of an infinite, infinitely expansive, maybe. But, you know, like when those things become more and more, um, when that becomes more and more normal and they become more and more valuable, there's more and more demand around certain things. Does that, it does that affect the natural, you know, does that affect the physical world as far as what things are worth, what your property's worth? You know what I mean? Like things like that, that I just wonder, like, I feel like that's way closer than some kind of a dystopian, you know, future yeah. where everything is just, you know, you're plugged up to a machine and, <laughs> and whatever. But I think that that's something that I can legitimately kind of see happening. Again, I don't think people are totally abandoning the world that they live in, but this is more of an economic question. And I don't think that we see deflation is not happening and it's not going to happen. Right, right. And when I say deflation, I don't actually know exactly what I'm trying to say here. So let me look at what that. Um, okay. Unless we deflation and economics reduction or general level of prices in an economy. So, I was having a conversation with my boss this morning talking about someone he knows they reassessed the value of his house and his taxes are going up. I don't know if this is going to happen or not, but the idea of like an economic downturn or a, um, you know, a housing market crash, et cetera, et cetera. Well, here's the thing. There's more and more people being born. There's more and more houses that need to be built. Mm -hmm. Even in the economic recession of 2008, which we lived through, obviously, uh, we weren't necessarily looking at houses then, but the housing market rebounded in like 18 months or two years or three or something, something around there. And now it's the prices are higher and higher than ever. And so but the other part is that the people who are in power, and this is where my conspiracy hat come kind of comes on, <laughs> is that hat out. Uh, you know, I'm connected to co college world, obviously. So I look at college finances and debt and student loans and things like that. Um, so the college, the moratorium on the freezing of college debt repayment and the interest payments have been frozen since uh, two years, just over two years, right about two years, something like that. And there's talk of, you know, forgiving some of that or um, continuing that freeze on payments until the end of the year. Why? The only reason why is because there's midterms coming up. Mm, so okay. it has nothing to do with, by the way, the system of how they're repaying it is completely broken. The whole system of federal loans. That's not what we're talking about. It's completely jacked up. If anybody with a brain wanted to actually do the system in the correct way, they are not going forward in that direction at all. It is a political tool to get votes. It's sure. not to benefit people because sure. it sucks. It's terrible. It's actually hurt way more people than it's helped. Well, um, because if I have any kind of a credit score and a pulse, they'll give me however much I, they'll lend me however much I need. And right. I'll just have that loan for the rest of my life. But the people in power when I say people in power, I mean governments, 
I mean industry leaders, I mean economic systems, they want to make you feel like you're becoming more and more prosperous. Now, here in the United States, we're the most prosperous country in the history of the world, unless you believe in like Atlantis and, you know, well, that's not what we're talking about here. Um, you could definitely tell some of the podcasts I listen to on my free time. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's, um, I'm sure there'll be a metaverse Atlantis if there's not already one. Absolutely. So, People who are in control want to make us feel like we have power over the situation. So one of the ways that they do that is making us feel like we're more and more prosperous. So it, it, at any point, our economic well-being is getting hurt to the point that it's going to cause us to, quote unquote, rise against the system. Then they're going to do things to change the system to make sure that they're able to stay in power. Good example is what Congress is doing with cryptocurrencies right now. Yeah. Man. By the way, Congress yeah. and the Senate, you know, Congress, they have no idea what they're talking about uh, as far as cryptocurrency and regulations. They're, they are dumb as rocks. Um, why do I know that? Is because I've listened to some of the things that they've said and read, read what they've been building. They have no idea. But what they're trying to do is make sure that they are, th their biggest concern is that if the US dollar, which I don't think this is going to happen anytime soon, if Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency supplants the US dollar as world currency reserve, and these are these are big economic pictures, which means the most valuable currency right now in the in the world is the US dollar. Um, that's why it was such a big deal that sanctions against Russia, they couldn't use foreign currency to pay for oil or I'm sorry, pay for different things that they need debt for world banks because they couldn't get it into us dollar. Okay. So if the us dollar was devalued to the point that people no longer cared about it, then the debt that is around the world would be uh, defaulted on. And that's mm -hmm. when economic systems would be caused into collapse. I'm right. talking big, obviously this is a little right. crazy. Like if, the value of the dollar shrunk so much that China actually had to call their debts on America and we actually had to do something about it. Right. The, econo the economy of America would crash and it would be terrible. But here's the thing. Every other country in the world exactly. carries yeah. U.S. dollar. And so it's actually a national security risk long term that Bitcoin supplants the U.S. dollar because if all that if people didn't want to hold U.S. dollar anymore and they moved it into some other currency that would devalue the US dollar so much that it would destroy our country and destroy the world economy in a lot of ways, unless other, a lot of other things. So all that to say is there's going to be regulation and bills and all policies that are put in place to make sure people who are in power stay in power. And like, it's not their benefit to cause a global currency crash and sure downturn. it's sure. not yeah that was a long-winded answer i hope so, it is. <laughs> so i don't even what was the original what was the original thought there or you question? were talking about you're worried about your your physical oh, assets being devalued devalue, the devaluation and, of um yeah of yeah real world and i'm saying assets. if that was actually the big enough issue is that people in power would make sure that wouldn't happen or at least you'd feel like it wasn't as big of a deal because that's how people they'd don't essentially rise up do and... the same thing 
it's like they would not allow it to happen until they were ready for it to happen and then just let it all collapse at once. So, yeah, so maybe, like, but we're not talking about I, Bond I, I, super again, here. No, 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 like, no, I know. I've never seen, well, like, I've never seen I'm, anybody on CNBC is... or MSNBC that's smart enough to actually do this. Right, yeah. But like, okay, so just for example, what, the, what went through my head there was in 2008 when the housing market you know collapse crashed um the the housing market was like upside down on itself for years before it actually crashed but the banks waited until they were in a position to profit off of the you know to have enough of of a short position to profit off of the actual decline and the defaults on the on the on the loans and the swaps and everything or they Um, were stupid enough to think that it would never happen and they caught him by surprise too well like even like the you know like the yeah and i'm i should probably get out of this because i'm i'm in the weeds already like i'm not <laughs> okay side note i'm not if you've ever seen the but... big short with steve carell it's a fantastic movie and you should all watch it the big short it's great mm-hmm. yeah um it talks a lot about how these markets moved and what mm-hmm. things were going on so it's interesting yeah, so essentially like the 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 rating agencies and stuff like that like they were just kind of like in cahoots with the banks to allow things to continue on for years even though like you know this guy this guy was like and his team they were analyzing things and they were like this doesn't make sense like there's 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 nothing essentially holding up this this housing market right now other yes. than the system is either they're just blind to it or they're corrupt and they're part of it or you know what whatever the, the case was but then eventually they they flipped it and they were like uh you know i, I think that a lot of the, the the banks they wanted to kind of position themselves um in a in a certain kind of a way anyway it's to make market again, hey you better watch market. out you're gonna sound like a, a, a an anti-capitalist soon anti-free market <laughs> terrible commie no 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 i'm not I'm not. <laughs> so you don't think they should be regulated? Banks? Uh, <laughs> I'm just giving you a hard time, Duke. We don't need to go yeah. into that. Um, What were we talking about? We were kind of, so like we kind of started talking about cryptocurrency and right. Bitcoin and, and, and all of this. And, you know, I'm not... I really just started uh, personally getting into, you know, trading cryptocurrency and stuff like that, like a year ago. So I'm I'm kind of late, you know, in terms of of, uh, you know, I haven't been focused on this stuff for a very long time. You've been pretty interested or somehow involved in in this whole world for a while, right? Only about 15 months. But I spend when I when I get involved in something, I dive in a deep way. Mm-hmm. So I would say I probably put in. I mean, 5,000 hours easy. Mm-hmm. Would that be like two and a half hours a day? Five hours a day? No, not that. At least 3,000 hours into it. So I put a significant amount of time of research mm-hmm. and trading and I trade myself and I've looked at different projects and understand what blockchain is and crypto is. Not to a deep yeah. level because I'm not a technical coder, but at right. the very least, I started to understand the real world possibilities of some of these new technologies. And so why, 
um, explain explain your thought process on just you know why you've immersed yourself in it to the extent that you have and why you think that it's so important. Well, um, th there's a couple answers. The reason I started it because I wanted to uh, get a down payment for my house. And so okay. I did that last year. Awesome. So I made a lot of money. Fantastic. Um, is it all with Dogecoin? <laughs> no, but I made a lot with Doge actually, which is hilarious. <laughs> did you? That's great. I mean, I, 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 I had some really uh, good gains in April of last year. And I put $100 in that Dogecoin in April. And it turned out to be a pretty significant amount of money in a couple months. So that was fantastic. I made a bunch of money. I mean, not a bunch of money, but I made a, I made, um, I, I, yeah, I made a good amount of profit on like Shiba last year. Just no, because I'm sorry. It I wasn't Doge, it was Shiba. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was, I was still late though. When I got in, like I was still late. It had already gone through like that major crazy pump. And then I got in and I like 12 X on, uh, on my, you know, on my, on my investment. So awesome. Good for dope. you. Yeah. I, I pulled it. Well, I didn't pull all of it, but I pulled like 60% of it. Um, so I got in there because I was just interested. Honestly, it was December. This is a crazy story. December 2020. And we were at actually my parents, my mom's house for Christmas. Something crazy happened. And my wife had was my wife, Kelsey. She, uh, something happened. She was sick. I forget why, but she ended up being in the hospital for a couple of days mm. while we were in New Jersey, which was nuts. And so um, PayPal had just introduced uh, trading in Bitcoin and Ethereum. And I had known about cryptos for 10 plus years, uh, 10, 12 years, pretty, pretty close to when they started. Just the idea yeah. of it was interesting to me, but I never invested because I'm, you know, I didn't have any money, to be honest. And I didn't if I even if I put $100 in 10 years ago, that was a different story, but I just didn't have it. Sure. Um, and so I started goofing around and I started understanding a little bit more and starting in like January, February of last year, I started going on to different sites and reading a lot and, you know, spending hour and a half, two hours, three hours, four hours a day doing research. Like that's how I fall asleep. I just read websites and watch videos and I'm a crazy person. Um, and so I just learned, learn, 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 looked at different projects, looked at what I think about them and started to develop like my thesis, internal thesis, which I, I'm trying to make myself smell, sound a lot smarter than I actually am. But just just the idea of like my idea of what this is and what its benefit is. And I'm a very utilitarian person. So I want to know the value of something mm -hmm. to me and to other people. Like I value things that have value. This is why I'm not good at M NFTs. Like I don't understand art. Like art is interesting, but I'm not, I can't look at an NFT or a piece of art and say why it's good. I can't, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I'm probably better at looking at something and saying, okay, it's valuable because of this. And there's a formula, but like trends and, like what looks cool and what doesn't, I don't get that at all. But yeah. I understand the value of a crypto coin that has utility that I know can be forecasted to how it's going to be used in the future. Um, so I suck at NFTs. I learn more and more about cryptocurrency coins and blockchain. 
And uh, it's all really fascinating to me. Yeah. Explain. <laughs> are you, are you, are you, if you're, are you tired of explaining what, what big words mean yet? No, I had okay? narcissistic, I had narcissistic tendencies. <laughs> so I always feel like I'm the smartest person in the room. So I love talking. Can I totally change the subject for a second and then come yeah. back? Because um, my, so my wife was on the chat and she asked this question and she said, and this was back to what we were talking about earlier with the metaverse and we've kind of shifted yes. it a little bit, but I um, so, so she says, can we help people experience God through the metaverse speaking of, in terms of the supernatural? I think so that's, like, I think that speaks exactly what we were talking about yeah. is the only way we can think that, that we wouldn't be able to is if we think that the Holy Spirit is confined to the physical world. And I do not believe that. I yeah. think, and like this goes to, the, the, you can get weird. It's like, well, I bless this handkerchief and I'm sending it through the mail. And it's like, even that is like, uh, that's kind of weird, but I like, it's so physical. There's some like the idea, there's uh, two stories that come it's, up to my mind. Bro, if it's spirit led, it works though. Cause like I've seen that like, happen, but when the it, idea when of Peter walking business, past Peter and <laughs> Peter and John walking past the guy yeah. and the, his shadow touches the guy and the guy has yeah. faith and he's healed. It's like, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Or the guy, it was it the centurion. I forget, but he, 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 I think his daughter was sick and he came to Jesus and he says, your faith yeah. has made her well. There was no connection. There was no like, like, it just happened. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is not bound to the physical well, the world. He can do whatever he wants all the time. And so I think these metaverse or like in person is more of a crutch for our brains and how we operate to actually understand. Like, it's almost like we need to be in those situations to semi understand what's happening and not just be so confused. Hmm. So like if we're in a church service together in the metaverse and I'm Charlie Brown and you're Shaquille O'Neal and I can lay hands on you. Hey, hey, how you doing, dude? <laughs> and I can lay hands on you with my Charlie Brown hands and pray. <laughs> it could it works, right? It could it could. It, there's no reason why we would say that's not going to work. I mean, well, again, I mean, and I'm not saying that me putting hands on you is like my hands are, you know what I mean? I got, well, I that, got that's like, your, that, 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 that's a theological question. As then, far right? as like, like, can I anoint you with oil through the metaverse? <laughs> what? I don't know. Like, uh, but the, yeah. the reason, the idea there, like the reason, I mean, laying on of hands works. I mean, we're, we're told to lay hands on people and to pray, you know, lay your hands on the sick and they'll recover. I can be on a zoom meeting and pray for someone who's sick and see them healed as well. So it's yes. not, it's not like this formula that the Bible gave us that says you have to lay hands on every single person in order for them to be healed. But there is this like moment of my faith, essentially joining with this person's faith. Like there there's this. So yes. why couldn't we essentially do the same thing in a yes. digital world? Because 100%. ultimately if, yeah, yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, I don't know. I think I, if, I, if think I had to look at statistics, and, I'd probably say like being in a room with somebody where I, like, I don't know, I would I would imagine that more healings, like if you were to pray for 100 people on Zoom hey, as opposed to 100 people in a room, like I'm going to push many, you a little bit. This well, 
statistics be as as where would more people get healed? I'm I'm just saying, like I don't know. Does laying you actually laying hands on people make you feel like you're doing something which actually raises your faith, which you laying on the hands has nothing to do with it, but it's your faith somehow how your faith and their faith. So I'm I might say, and I am not gonna take a definitive stance on this because I'm just not. Um mm-hmm. I think there's certain things that we do and that God has asked us to do that actually in some, in some situations, they're more like placebo pills that we feel like we're involved in something when actually it's the Holy spirit doing it all, but there's something connected with our faith that he wants us involved. If our faith for a certain level that those actions actually build our faith and he wants our faith to a certain level. So I, I don't know exactly what I said there of like how I was wrong or how I was right. I'm just saying is that my core belief is that the Holy Spirit can do whatever he wants in any situation. Yeah. But he also wants us involved because mm-hmm. not because we need it, because I think just as much fun as me cutting down a tree with my sons is fun because they're there. He likes having us be involved in those situations because he loves us who we are not because we need to be there in any situation. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's great, man. Um, and, and I, and I think I probably should have said something at the beginning here that like a lot of these, these things that I'm bringing up <laughs> personally, I'm not sure about you, but a lot of the things that I'm bringing up, I'm not even taking a stance one side or the other. I'm just, uh, I, I'm just kind of like wanting to think through some of these things with you. me too, because I, because ultimately, you know, I don't know. I probably haven't given it enough thought yet to really have a position on it. Um, but but yeah, and I, I would almost I could that that same thing about laying on of hands. I mean, I could maybe even argue that from the other side, too, where if I start to feel like me laying my hands on somebody is the catalyst for that person getting healed and I'm too focused on me instead of being like fully focused on God and his ability to heal. I could probably argue that that could even limit me in some respects, just based on is my mentality. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Here, here's another one. What about baptisms? Can you give baptisms metaphysically <laughs> in the metaverse? Right. I don't. Okay. How would that now, work? Um, okay. So what is it? <laughs> what it? What is baptism? Bro, I don't know about so, that one. So. So no. Okay. So if I'm baptizing someone in a kiddie pool and they, their pinky doesn't get fully submerged, do they get baptized? They're going to hell. They're going to hell, bro. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just so kidding. if I, do I have I'm to have a certain kidding. amount of people at a baptism to be shown as a public declaration? No, for, no. Why not? It's a public declaration. So you should have a lot of people there, right? Like you should have your family and friends there and all the people that you care about no. there. Why, why not? It's a public declaration of your internal decision, right? Well, the Bible didn't say that. I mean, the Bible didn't say that we have to do this in front of so many people and, you know, whatever. So it's an act of obedience, right? Yes. Okay. So, but it's a symbol of us dying and going under, you know, just as Christ went into the tomb and came mm-hmm. back up, right? Yeah. Yep. So if we see that happen and it's in the metaverse does it have to be in the physical world or us being metaversally baptized 
the still the the symbol and the idea of us going under the water unless you think like that the wall i would say this some people think communion is actually when we're eating the bread and drinking the wine or the grape juice or wine or whatever mm -hmm. it's actually turning into like body and blood of christ like that's right. actually some people yeah. so it's substantiation yeah yes but like people think it's a transformation then that happens like right. that's the idea so and i i don't necessarily believe that i think it's a it's a remembrance thing but if in the same way as it, if it's an act of obedience i don't see any stipulations on there of what it does it need to be in salt water or fresh water can it be in my bathtub does it have to be a, have yeah. a certain amount of people around it or is it just the act of obedience of me saying and declaring to people, Hey, this is my decision and I'm following Christ. And this is the symbol. And this is a whole other theology of like, you know, you rise up a, a, a new person. Well, what if, do I have to pray a prayer or is it just when I had faith or like, we're never going to know when salvation actually happens and when that, newness comes upon us because there's so many different factors that I don't now. Now I would say certain people and certain groups have definitive stances. I do not. And I'm okay with that. So in terms of baptism, that's an interesting, that's an interesting question. Um, does the Bible actually say that it need does it, that it needs to be public? I don't believe that it, does i, I know i can I know baptize myself public. you're saying you can or you're asking so it says i mean again the bible says be baptized um i believe so baptism is essentially our it's it's our identification with the death burial and resurrection of jesus christ now i i, I don't believe that baptism does anything to save you um, because you, when you get baptized, you've already been saved because you've already called upon the name of the Lord, right? Are you with me so far? Or yeah. Um, and so, but it's also not optional. It's not something that you just say, "Well, I don't have to do it because, because you know, according to the Bible, I'm already saved." It's something that we are um, supposed to do. It's something that we're we're commanded to do as part of our identification with Christ. Is that? because it needs to be public or is that just something that we're supposed to do as an act of obedience let me read some, you some verses and they're probably going to be out of context but that's okay <laughs> let's destroy some scripture real quick it's okay no i just want to read some because i think uh and i would say if you haven't read these verses go back and look at them because i think there's some context but i i've read all these verses many times i know all the verses okay <laughs> This book is the best. No. <laughs> okay. Acts 2, good. 38. And Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Repent and be baptized. Okay. And now why do you wait? Rinse and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. That's in Acts twenty two sixteen. So it says like be baptized. And that's, it seems like he's inferring and I'd have to read the rest that, Baptism is actually part of your sanctification in this situation of your repentance. First Peter baptize uh, baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you not as a removal of dirt 
from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I don't get that one. We'll just skip it. Um, Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he says, unless you're born of water, which we know is baptism and the spirit, this is John three, five, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So what is Jesus actually saying there? I don't know. Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So there's the direct correlation between belief and faith and baptism causes salvation. But the same thing, he says, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Okay, what if I believe and don't get baptized? So I think all this to say is that I don't know the answer to your questions. So what you're saying is that in the in the metaverse... <laughs> You could be baptized and your avatar is submerged in water in the metaverse and comes up out of the water. And it was that was your public declaration. But because but even though it didn't happen to you physically, it would still count. Is that, I would is that say the you're making. I would say I think someone could. I don't I don't know if I actually believe this or not, just to be sure. But I think there there is an argument to be made that the. If I'm believing in my heart and I am wanting to be baptized, I think it doesn't necessarily have to be in the context of that we th we thought of before under physical water to mean the same thing. And I, I will say this is that obviously we're both kind of evangelical, you know, charismatic stuff. So we're very anti-symbolism stuff. Like we're that's just the culture of how we believe in the, 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 the streams that we flow in, we're very like, we're, we're, we're not bound by a lot of tradition. Right. And the Bible was in a lot of ways. And so I could, could be completely wrong on that. And so just seeing our potential blind spots is that, that, that'd be a very untraditional way to think about it. And, but I could still see that there's room to have that discussion. If I had to render a decision right now, I would say like stick with the uh, natural, like getting. So getting what if wet. I'm not okay? But, but so I mean, what but if yeah, I'm, again, so if you're if in I'm a paraplegic, where you, Duke, yeah. So what if, if I'm a paraplegic? Can't. Mm -hmm. What if I'm a paraplegic, and it actually feels more real to me and more meaningful to me that I can walk around in my body mm -hmm. through a metaverse and have that experience. Then someone taking me out of my bed and hauling me around in a wheelchair and dunking me in some way. Yeah. What well, is the truth is like that person would probably not ever. I mean, in most cases, that person would probably not get baptized. Like that person would get saved and we would just give them a pass essentially. Right. Like, <laughs> like Wait, you say, can do that. <laughs> you can give them a pass of obedience, dude. No, I can't. But I'm Pope, just saying, like, Pope Duke I'm the just first. saying collectively, collectively as the church, like, I don't think we look at that person and be like, so what, what you're saying is people, their think. desire for obedience of because we both agree that the Bible says if we're saved, you know, if we believe that it's an act of obedience for baptism. Correct. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I, I personally believe that. It is one of the first things that you should do. You shouldn't wait around even for a Sunday morning. Right. Like you should get baptized as soon as possible because it's an act of obedience and there's a bunch of symbolism in there and impossible. But you're saying yep. that their desire to be baptized is just as good as them actually being baptized physically in water because they don't have the physical capacities to do it. 
So you're arguing against yourself here that you can give them a pass because they can't do it physically, but their heart says that they, it's okay because they said in their heart and responded with obedience. So why not? I can do it in the metaverse and my heart is the same way, but the symbol is virtual and not physical. Ooh, got the mic, man. That was a good, that was, that was a, a Will that Smith was a good, right there. That was a good argument. Welcome to Earth. That's what he said in Independence Day when he punched the alien in the face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> yes, I love that part. I need to watch that with my kids sometimes. Hopefully so, my, my, my three-year-old so she has nightmares. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, <laughs> she has nightmares. Yeah, dude. I, I don't know. I mean, I would say, like, if that's the only way that it can get done, like, why not? Like if it if it's a situation like we're for sure, if it's a situation like we're talking about where it's not going to happen um anyway because I can't leave my house or because you know I can't get into a pool or because of whatever. Or what if, what if my church is on the other side of the country and my community of believers is on the other side of the country or on the other side of the world? Do I rather go to a random church to a priest or a pastor who I have no relationship with and get baptized, or should I get or should I do I need to fly over and do it in person because I have legs and can walk around? What about that? No, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think I don't over spiritualize these things. Like, I don't believe that you have to get a pastor or, uh, you know, someone specific to baptize you. Um, I think you could call your buddy and be like, hey, you know, can you can you uh, meet me at? Maybe at the public pool. Meet me at the, meet me at the storm drain. It's rained a lot though today. Um, but anyway, yeah, I don't know. This is. I mean, fun. I, I baptized like people. I baptized people before I was anybody. So it, like I was it, some. I was in ministry, but I wasn't. I didn't have any kind of a status or anything. If you're still listening, you know. Comment and, and below. I took one person and baptized them. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, I just took. I one think. Person I think that's. I think that wasn't in I think, service. It wasn't anything like that. And you know, th there were people that saw it happen. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't like in any kind of a public. Like I make my declaration that I belong to Jesus and He belongs. To, it wasn't. It wasn't you like should, that. You should probably get rebaptized. <laughs> <laughs> that one didn't count. No. So all the all the sinfulness didn't get washed away. Obviously because not I, because I wasn't a because I wasn't a uh, pastor. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm well, joking. Obviously. No, I know. That was a uh, convoluted. <laughs> well, we're in, we're an hour and thirty seven minutes in. We've had great conversation. We had conversation for sure. Some of it was great. Some of it was. Uh, it, well, it was good for me. It was good for me. I don't know how much. I don't know what it sounded like on the other end. But it was fun for me, for sure. But I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you talking through some of these things with me. You've you've it's made me blast. feel better about some of the things that I was like a little bit more maybe concerned about, I, and maybe like I don't I like I, I I do feel like coming from this conversation, I am a little bit less reluctant, I would say, to accept some of these things. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Without worrying about the danger so much of like, well, what if this happens or what if we lose this or what if, you know, people stop interacting with each other and what if, you know, 
all that kind of stuff. I, I think you said something before and looking at your post, it reminded me the, the, the potential dangers of escapism. I think that, I think that's happening more and more, but I don't think, I think we just have more avenues for it, but the same issues in people's lives have been around forever. They've just, they're just showing it in different ways. So again, I, I don't think like, the core problem is not the technology or the culture. Like those are just excuses. The core mm -hmm. is that people are broken and need to be loved and need to know that they're like who they are as people. Like there's identity issues and lack of community issues. If I'm escaping, because mm -hmm. what it means to be escape is I don't want to be who I am. So I want to be somebody else. Right. 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 And we can do that in any way, but we can do that by wearing a certain pair of shoes. We can do it by playing World of Warcraft for 19 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And I think just for us to remember is that let's not make excuses or blame that person. We just know that there's broken people and hurting people all around the world. And mm -hmm. it's our job not to blame those situations or demonize them or their situations that they're in, but to go be love to them and care for them. The other thing that concerns me a little bit that I just thought of is the idea of like, how could you know for sure that the person you're interacting with is a real person and not like a bot or, you know, something like that. So like, yeah. so listen, listen, listen. So That's this fair. is the, this is the thing. If I'm in church and I'm witnessing to, or, you know, I'm doing whatever, but I'm, I'm ministering to somebody. <laughs> You can catfish. And this person gives their life to Jesus. Like, yeah, I'm getting catfished, or I'm leading someone to the Lord who's not even a real person. Um, well, not that I, again, actually, like, at least I'm getting practice, but you know. Well, I mean, I would say this is I bet you've had this situation happen before that you're talking with somebody, and I, I had this happen when I lived over in Asia, is that they had no real they had no real desire to continue that conversation, but they were too nice not to. And they actually okay. went through and like prayed a prayer or did things just to make it so I didn't lose face in that situation. I don't I, I don't know if you've had like I, it's the kind of person yeah. that's like, well, can I pray for you? Uh and you yeah. could tell that they're not comfortable just to get with you it. to leave them alone. Just sometimes. to get you to leave them alone. So yeah. what's the difference? Yeah, there's not really much of a difference. And, and I mean, hopefully at some point they'll be able to yeah. you know, make that obvious, you know, you get like a blue check mark above your head or something and the, and you know that you're a real person. Yeah. Um, there's definitely security stuff. <laughs> you're a verified human being. In, I am yeah, a, you know man. what I mean? But yeah. Uh, but yeah, man. Well, I, I think that as you were just saying a second ago, um, so much of the core of our existence as people revolves around community and God created us to be communal people. He created us to be in relationship with one another. He created us and, and with, those i mean with those desires on the inside of us we don't always express those desires in the right way for sure yeah uh, but i do think that within the the heart of every single person is this desire to the basic needs of life right to to love and to be loved to need and to be needed to have that you know sense of security yeah. and all of that like all all of that is part of who we are and so i guess any kind of concern that i have is just wanting to make sure that we aren't setting up too many things in place that give us like all these extra excuses beyond what we already have to kind of sacrifice those things or surrender those things or to be less involved in the lives of people. And 100%. again, not that I can say that um, 
it, it's all my decision. The, te the technology can be there and I can choose to engage with it in a very healthy way, in a very practical way that still allows me to do everything else. Uh, but as far as, you know, as a, for me personally, as a pastor and as someone who's, you know, in ministry and planting churches and, and different things and, and the ministry that you do and so many of our friends and people that we know, it's like, how much leeway do we want to build into this relational structure that we have, knowing that there are going to be some people that are going to take it and run the yeah. wrong way with it and stuff like that. Yep. So that's why I, I like this conversation and I want to keep having this conversation beyond the fact that I just think it's interesting in general, as we talked about a lot of stuff that had zero to do with ministry. It was just kind of yeah. fun to talk about. But I do think ultimately it does relate to you know these more philosophical questions of our relationships and our encounters, the way that we interact with people. And that's ultimately something that, of course, uh, you know, we should be looking to enhance that and not ways to scoot around it or to, you know, somehow find a way to avoid it. You know what yeah. I mean? I think technology can help us um, enhance in certain in certain ways. Like this conversation could be way better and way more communal. Again, like as technology increases, like, again, we can theoretically feel like we're in the same room and have more meaningful interaction than what we're having right now but i don't yeah. ultimately think that anything is gonna fully replace you know real life encountering people i agree with you all of that you know until we get our Neuralink, <laughs> and i can fly <laughs> i saw the batman last week so good be able by to the fly way. one day so oh, we'll fly together and that's not a drug joke <laughs> i'll meet you and uh i'll leave i'll you know just leave at the same time and meet we're gonna in, like, we'll meet in memphis be, like west west virginia or somewhere like that i don't memphis, know memphis memphis my cousin lives in west virginia me. <laughs> sweet so wait no you said you saw the batman and it was what i, I saw the batman it. last week and it was awesome you should see it, it was awesome it. oh it was incredible is he your so new favorite batman would you go that far uh i was having a conversation with somebody about this oh and kentucky lexington might Lexington and West Virginia might be about about halfway. So um, uh, it was great. It was so different and so good and so dark. And so I wouldn't go with my wife. It's 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 closer to the movie seven than a superhero movie. Seven is a, like a psychological thriller kind of dark. It was good, though. I enjoyed it. So more dark and sinister than say like, well, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I was going to say, so the, you know, Christian Bale's sort of. Per, well, that, that's a good example. Well, that was dark, but this was more realistic. It's okay. like you're not going to see. Yeah, it, it's just more realistic. Like that one is still kind of super. It has a very superhero tinge in it. This doesn't have as nearly as much of that superhero tinge. And it's more, it's kind of built more like a, like a mystery kind of a thriller, right? Yeah. In some ways, I've heard that. I haven't seen it. It's like, it's like, yeah. And it's more like detective V too. Cool. It's awesome. good. I'll check it out. I trust your, uh, your opinions on things like this. <laughs> Cause you're hopefully, a nerd. Hopefully. I'm no, just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. I build Legos as an adult. Well, yeah. So like even on that, like you're just and the reason why I, I asked you if you would have this conversation with me, because you're just I, I see you as someone who's thoughtful about things, you know, like when there's something that interests you, 
you're very thoughtful about it. And as you even told me a little bit ago, like even over the past, you know, 15 months, you've spent thousands of hours probably like researching this topic and, and stuff yeah. like that. And so I appreciate that, man. I, I thank you for uh, just being here and all the value that you added. You're and welcome. It's fun. Yeah, man. Well, let's do it again sometime. Outstanding. It's good to talk to you. See you, bud. Take care, man.